Uh, John chapter 4. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you, given you living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. What is it that you want from life? What are you thirsting after? Where are you finding your satisfaction? I wonder what you were thinking as we read through John 4. Do you know this gift of God? This offer of living water? I spoke to a few pals recently. Bertie, what is it that you want in life? What do you want to get out of life? At Lanks, I just want to be happy. At the end of my days, if I look back on life and I've had a happy life, that's me. I'd be a satisfied man. Louis, at Lanks, success. Give me success at the end of the day. If I can be a successful man, business, family, uh, with friends, financially, I'll be a satisfied man. My thirst will have been quenched. I wonder, have you come to know the giver of this gift of living water? Or have you missed signs? Are you thirsting after life, this life, and what this life throws at you? Are you misreading the signs? I was sat in Costa this week, Costa Coffee, I often go there, uh, especially now, um, with a little baby born three weeks ago, good uh, welcome rest, now and again, from the crying. Uh, and I was sat quite next to uh, the toilet door, uh, and... Um, I, I tell you that because it, it makes sense in a little while. Um, and the thing is, uh, it must be because I've had a little girl that I am paying more attention to little children now. And so up ran this little lad uh, with his dad about five metres behind him uh, to the toilet door. Desperate. Great watching a little boy uh, desperate for the toilet. Um, I don't know if you've seen it. You will have, I'm sure. So he's running like that and then his hand's there and he's, he's grabbing and he's, he's like, oh, he's so desperate. Uh, and his dad tries to open the door, someone's in. There's only one uh, toilet in Costa, of course. Anyone can go in, men or women. The little boy's face fell. Devastated. And then his attention caught sight of the sign on the toilet door. And his face lit up. Ha-ha! He smiled. That woman's only got one leg on the toilet door. And he pointed again. There's Daddy. There's a wheelbarrow. I think he meant a wheelchair, maybe. And there's someone uh, looking after his flowers. And I think he meant uh, the picture of someone changing a baby's nappy. There are four little signs uh, on the door. He was absolutely delighted, chuckling to himself. He just walked away. (laughs) He came desperate. And he left satisfied. But for how long? (laughs) I sat and smiled as I watched this little boy. Is that not a picture of life? I thirst for things. I thirst for happiness, for satisfaction, for knowledge, for truth. We come looking, desperate. And other things draw us away from the real truth. 
the real source of satisfaction. And we go away satisfied, but for how long? Why does John include this story in his gospel, in his account of Jesus? Whenever we read in John's gospel, we must read from the beginning. Um, An English teacher, funnily enough, told me uh, a little trick of how to read a book. Um, I got on quite well with one of my English teachers. And uh, he was kind of a fraud, I think, because he said, right, uh, Langs, here's the deal. If you read the first bit of the book, uh, and then if you read the last few pages, you pretty much get the gist of what's going on in the middle. Um, not a great English teacher, I don't think, but that's what I did with Animal Farm and uh, those kind of books that you've got to read at school. Uh, and here's the trick almost of John's Gospel. If you go to the beginning of John's Gospel uh, and read the first few verses, and then you go to the end, you get a pretty good picture of what John is trying to communicate in his book. So if you want, uh, flip back a few pages uh, to John uh, chapter 1, and we'll read the first five verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. And then jump uh, to verse 14 with me. The word became flesh, made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son. He came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John sets out his book. Here's what I want to tell you about. I want to tell you about... The light. And the light shines in darkness. And the light is Jesus. And we've seen him. And we've seen the glory, the glory of the one and only Son. And he's full of grace. And he's full of truth. Now, do please turn to the end of John, as my English teacher once taught me to do. And John chapter 20. And go to... Verse 30 and 31. Loads of stuff packed in the middle of John's Gospel. But here we get an idea again of why John has written his Gospel. Verse 30 of chapter 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John starts. Here's the light. And the light shines in the darkness. And we've seen him. The glory of the one and only. And he brings life. And I've written this book so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. Here's the deal, says John. I'm going to give you knowledge. I'm going to help you understand. So when you understand, then you believe. And when you believe, you'll have life. Life in all its fullness. This is why John writes his Gospel. Last week, John chapter 3 We see a conversation between Jesus and a prominent Pharisee. A man, a law abider, socially upright, 
but blind to the truth. Still in the darkness. And in John chapter 4, as Woody's just read, now we have Jesus engaging in another conversation with a Samaritan woman hated by the Jews. Second class to a man. And morally filthy. What has this man Jesus got to do with opposite? A law-abiding man and a Samaritan morally filthy woman. And he has something to say to them both. To Nicodemus, you must be born again. Only God is the giver of new life through Jesus. It is a miracle. A total miracle. And to the Samaritan woman, let's see. Let's see what he's got to say to the Samaritan woman. Taking four points. And one of these points might be exactly how you're feeling tonight. Exactly how you're feeling. And so John, as he tells the story of Jesus with the Samaritan woman, is now God communicating to us through his word about how you may be feeling tonight. On the 6th of November, 2011, in a little pokey church in East Oxford, God speaking. Let's go. I wonder if you're feeling ostracised. Here's the answer, if you are. Jesus welcomes. Look at verse 7 with me. A Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I am a Samaritan. Jews did not mix with Samaritans. And men did not associate with women. This was a rabbinic citation from that time. And it said this, one should not talk with a woman on the street. Not even with his own wife. Certainly not with someone else's wife. Because of the gossip of men. And it is forbidden to give a woman any greeting. And Jesus smashes that idea to pieces. Men do not associate with women. And Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Loads of history on that. Go to 1 Kings chapter 12. When we understand how... The northern territory of Israel forms Samaria. And Jews look upon the Samaritans and think they're both racially and religiously impure. They were of God's people, they're not now. I wonder if that's you walking into church. And you feel judged. And there's a difference between you and Christians perhaps. I wonder if you feel frowned upon by society. Maybe even let down by the church. And you see, with Jesus there is no prejudice. No prejudice. He engages with a conversation with a Samaritan woman. There's no fluke that this happens here. This was always meant to be. And John was always meant to record this. Jesus is not prejudice. If you're a Christian, please don't jump to asking the question, am I prejudiced? Because this story isn't trying to help you compare yourself to Jesus. You were the woman at the well if you're a Christian. 
And if you're not a Christian, you are the woman at the well. Because you don't really fit into God's people. I shouldn't really be here. I should be ostracised from God. It should be me totally separated from Him. I don't deserve Him to welcome me. I don't deserve Him to talk to me. I do not deserve the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross to save me. This woman is me. But yet Jesus smashes that to pieces. I wonder if you feel ostracised tonight. Here's the good news. Jesus welcomes you. I wonder if you feel blind, secondly. Well, Jesus will reveal himself. Uh, Let's look to verse 10. Uh, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you knew. She doesn't. And she has no idea that Jesus is the giver of living water. Look at her response. So, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? She does not get it. She does not understand. There is nothing in her that grasps what Jesus is actually saying. Are you greater than our father Jacob? Verse 12. Have you ever shared the gospel with someone? If you're a Christian here. And you've had that horrible vacancy. Sympathetic chat with a friend, maybe over dinner. And they look at you with a total vacant expression. You talk about Jesus as though you know him. You talk about Jesus as though he's really true. You talk about Jesus as though he really matters in life. And you just want to grab hold of them. And say, yes, I talk about him because he is true. Because he does matter. Because he means more than life itself. You see this woman totally vacant. Totally misunderstands what Jesus is talking about. It's only by the work of Jesus do I see what is true. John Newton, didn't he capture this brilliantly in Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound. Saved a wretch like me. I once was lost. Now I'm found. I was blind. Totally blind. But now I see. A miracle is needed. John 3 and Nicodemus. How can a man be born again? Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born totally blind to the truth. Paul captures this brilliantly. 2 Corinthians, book further on, from John, he talks about the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light, the gospel of the glory of Christ. In verse 6 of chapter 4, For God who said, Let light shine, Out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the glory of God in the face of Christ. This woman 
is still in the dark. Nicodemus was in the dark. How can this be? Are you still in the dark? It's only when Jesus reveals himself will you see him for who he truly is. Jump with me to verse 26. After the woman had come back at him and dodged uh, all that Jesus threw at her, uh, look at verse 26. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. After she told Jesus that the Messiah was coming. No, no. That's me. I am he. If you're blind tonight to the truth of Jesus, he will and can reveal himself. He can reveal the truth of the glorious gospel to you. I was blind, but now I see. Maybe you feel ostracised. Maybe uh, you're blind tonight and you feel blind. There's nothing within you that thinks this is true. Jesus can reveal that. And thirdly, maybe you're thirsty. Jesus offers water of life. Back to verse 13. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. The woman's just said, Hey, Jacob, um, are you greater than Jacob, who gave us this well and drank from it himself? And Jesus said, Everyone who drinks this water from this well will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Do you see the giver? The gift of this eternal life. This water that continues to spring up. And wells into eternal life. For 22 years of my life I ignored it. Completely ignored it. I did not recognise the author of life. The giver of life. I was lost. But I was thirsty. Yet unfulfilled. Thirsty. What is life? What's it all about? Where will I find true satisfaction? You're a foolish man or foolish woman if you don't ask these questions. You must. You must. And all the world does is pull a wall over the eyes and says, Hey, this is life. This is all life is. Extract the results tonight. That's life. Footy results. Saturday, five o'clock. That's life. If you're thirsty, X Factor and footy results will not quench that thirst. Academia will not quench that thirst. You'd be like the little boy. Misread the signs. Ran off happy. Because his mind was filled with some other thing. But I'm sure it didn't take him long. I had to rush back to the toilet because he was thirsty. See in verse 15, the woman is thirsty. Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. The woman is thirsty. I want this water. 
Do you have this water? Please give me this water. She's thirsty. But you see the reason of her thirst? You see, follow me with this. So that I won't have to keep coming back here. You see what she's trying to engage in. I'm desperately thirsty. But I'm thirsty in this area because I hate carrying this bucket of water day after day after day. Give me this living water, this, this water that, God, what, I don't have to draw from anymore, this, from this well? See her attitude still to Jesus. If this is going to benefit my life, like really practically benefit me, if this is going to enhance my life, I, I want it. If this is going to enhance my life in a very practical way, so that no longer do I have to come to this well and draw water, I want that. Yeah, give it to me. And how many people have thought that this is what being a Christian is? Thirsty. Oh, I would love to be better financially, better off financially. Will following Jesus help me do that? Some people ask. Call my health suffering for many years if I follow Jesus will that help my health Jesus never promises that you will never struggle in these areas again no she still doesn't get it she's thirsty but she thinks it's practical water so that she never has to drop her bucket down the well again Malcolm Muggeridge, 20th century English author and journalist, became a Christian later on in his life. A little quote from um, one of the books that he uh, writes about himself. I may, I suppose, regard myself or pass for being a relatively successful man. People occasionally stare at me in the streets. That's fame. I can fairly easily earn enough to qualify for admission to the higher slopes of the inland revenue. That's success. Furnished with money and a little fame, even the elderly may partake in trendy diversions. That's pleasure. And it might happen once in a while that something I said or wrote was sufficiently heeded for me to persuade myself that it represented a serious impact on our time. That's fulfilment. Yet I say to you, and I beg you to believe me, multiply these tiny triumphs by a million, then add them all together, and they are nothing, less than nothing, a positive impediment, measured against one draught of the living water Christ offers to the spiritually thirsty, irrespective of who or what they are. Less than nothing. The woman wants an easier life. Oh, give me this water. So that I never have to come down here to drop my bucket again. No. That's not the water that I'm offering you, says Jesus. The promise is eternal life-giving water. So perhaps you're feeling ostracised, perhaps you're still blind to the truth, perhaps you're thirsty, or perhaps you're feeling unfulfilled. See, Jesus seeks true worshippers. 
in our quest to understand life. To understand what it means to be truly satisfied. In this woman's quest to grapple with some of the things that Jesus is saying, she misses the mark. She misreads the signs. If you're thirsty, yet feel unfulfilled, it's worth trying to understand what life is. It's worth trying to understand what life was designed for. It's worth trying to wrestle with the question, why do I exist? It's the Westminster Confession of Faith, a reformed article of Christian belief in the 1700s. And it was simply started by the words, in answer to the question, what is the chief end of man? Why does man exist? And the confession of faith simply stated, we exist to glorify God and and enjoy him forever. I was created to worship God in spirit and truth. The Bible tells me, John 4 tells me, Jesus tells the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, you were created to worship me. And I am the one that can help you understand this. I'm the one that can welcome you if you feel ostracized. I am the one who can open your blind eyes to the truth if you still don't see it. I am the one that can quench your thirst. See what a life of fulfillment is? to glorify God. It's to worship Him with the whole of life, in spirit and truth. Jump with me to verse 16. Verse 15. Let's go from there. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, Go. Call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right. I'm giving you life-giving water. Drink. Come now and worship me in obedience. I know everything about you, says Jesus. Everything. And it's the one thing that really gets hold of the woman. Look at verse 29. She goes back to the town and says to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? Jesus totally exposes her. Nowhere left to hide. Nowhere left to run. There is no comfort found in myself. None. So come. Come and see this man who told me everything. I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? It's a frightening thing when you're exposed. Frightening when people see behind the facade, the mask that you put on. I wonder if you watched Piers Morgan's life stories last night with Rolf Harris. Thought it'd be a little bit boring, Rolf. Looking forward to Gaza uh, next Sunday, but Rolf, a little bit boring, quite enjoyed it. Got to a point, Piers talked about the birth of his uh, firstborn, and uh, apparently Rolf Harris left for a US tour the day after the birth of his first child. And Piers said, do you now feel ashamed? And Rolf 
as Piers always does, draws tears, doesn't he? But Rolf, uh, at that point, broke down. Of course, says Rolf, I was a terribly selfish man who lived life for me. When you're exposed, or when you see in yourself exactly what's in there, selfish, sinful, living life for self, it's a horrible place to be. It's a depressing place to be. And you see Jesus, he exposes the woman. Uh, You see what I can see? Uh, You haven't got one husband, no, you have five. He exposes her to the truth. But he doesn't leave her there. He doesn't leave her there. See, Jesus says, I give you life-giving water. Even you. Even you, a woman that I shouldn't be talking to. Even you, a Samaritan who Jews don't associate with. Even you, a filthy, dirty, stinking, rotten sinner. I wonder if you're a Christian tonight. Maybe a Christian who's hiding things in front of friends. Maybe you're hiding things from people within the church. You can't hide from God. He's a God who knows everything I ever did and everything I will. And see, Jesus seeks true worshippers. They get engaged in the conversation about what true worship is. The woman's dodging and diving around. And Jesus hits her front on and says, Hey, do you know what? This is what true worship is. It's not in the temple. It's not on the hill. It's life. Spirit and truth in obedience before me. He attacks the religious view of worship. This is what worship is. This is what will bring you true satisfaction if you're unfulfilled. Well, that is so true. It's so true in my life now as a Christian. I am most satisfied. When I'm trying to glorify God in spirit and truth with my whole of life, with my thoughts my actions, with my words, in my relationships, in my sport. Oh, that brings true satisfaction when Jesus is king. And I'm trying to honour him with the whole of my life. That's worship in spirit and truth. And when I am most satisfied, God is most glorified. And when God is most glorified, I am most satisfied. I give you life. Giving water that leads to eternal life. And here's my fifth one. I think I said four before. Here's my fifth one. Do you feel unmotivated? Tonight, do you feel unmotivated to follow Jesus or to drink from this fountain of life? Read with me verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him. Because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. Unmotivated? Oh, this matters. Jesus really matters. I wonder if you're gripped by the thirst-quenching water that Jesus gives tonight. And if not, 
I'm going to point the finger. I'm not going to say, hey, come on, try harder. Because that is exactly the opposite of the Christian life. It's not about that. But I do want to point you back to Jesus. I want to help you see that Jesus welcomes. Come on, he'll invite you back into his family. I want to help you see that Jesus will open your blind eyes again to the truth if you ask him. To give you a better insight into the truths. And I'll point you uh, back to Jesus if you're thirsty and say he and he only will quench your desperate thirst. And if you are unmotivated, would you see Jesus and the wonder of the gospel? And would that give you a passion to share it with others this week? What does it matter, you might say? Fine if I go through another week and come back to church next week and be fed some more. Join up and see some friends. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. But can you imagine a friend or a family member, someone you love, saying something like verse 42? They said to the woman, when she belted back to town and said, Hey, come and see a man that knew everything I ever did. He's totally exposed me, yet he's offering life-giving water. Come see this man. And they said to the woman, We no longer believe you, just because of what you said. We, now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. We know that this man really is the saviour of the world. Can you imagine a friend he really loves who doesn't know Jesus? Saying that next Sunday. Can you imagine a family member who you've been able just to talk to Jesus about? It's only Jesus that will open their eyes to the truth. It's not you. But can you imagine, because of your testimony, because of your faithful witness, because of your glorifying God, life exhibiting everything about God in obedience, as you thirsted for water and you quench your thirst, and as you live for Him in a life of worship, can you imagine a friend just saying, hey, it's not just because of what you've said or what you've done. You've pointed me to Christ. So if you feel... Unmotivated tonight. May verse 42 grip hold of your heart. For Jesus really is the saviour of the world. And that is so hard for me to grasp. Day in, day out. Hour in, hour out. Quite matters. Because Jesus is the saviour of the world. And I am a man in desperate need of a saviour. And I praise Jesus. It's him. And he will totally quench my thirst. Because he died the death on the cross that I should. So he says, Lanks, you need thirst no more. I will totally satisfy. So won't you let him quench your thirst tonight?